Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Joining us right now, Christian Fourier. Does talk radio up in Boston. WEI, two-time Super Bowl champion. CBS Sports College football analyst. Christian, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Oh, good morning, fellas. How's everybody doing this fine morning? Oh, we're doing great. (laughs) Is anybody on your station criticize the Red Sox for... They're cheating. Oh God! Do they curse us for their cheating? Um, I guess technically, technically, uh, you know, it is because they use an Apple Watch to get basically to receive text messages and to to speed up the process of getting the information. Um, but I mean, come on, really? It's, I, I just feel like it's um, you know people are trying to compare this to like you know the Flategate or Spygate. And they're sending out all the wrong information. They're using all the wrong facts. Uh, well, I give mean, us the facts. Uh, give us the right facts. Wait, wait, wait. The facts of what? The facts of, of what? For, for, for what gate? Give me. There's like a hundred gates now. Which gate no, the want? gate, the current gate, Red Sox, <laughs> Apple Watch gate. Well, the, no, it's pretty simple. So they were they were they were um, getting information from um, getting the signs from the catcher. They would relay. They would they would send a text message to the trainer who had the Apple Watch on, and the trainer would tell Pedroia, and Pedroia would try to single in, signal in the call to either the, whoever was on second base. The fact is that once you get the signal, like how much time does it go by, goes by before the pitcher actually releases the ball? So imagine trying to get a signal, send a text, relay that information to someone sitting next to you, then sending it out to the field. I mean, it would be easier just to yell it out to the batter or yell it out to – you know, whoever's on second base. The method so, really isn't whoa, the question whoa, here, though. Whoa, it's the, the invention. Fact, yeah, the fact they went through all this rigmarole to do this, and each pitcher oh, no, I'm saying, is... Listen, I'm not saying they're not stupid and lazy. I mean, like, I, look, I think... But you're not saying they're cheaters either. They're cheaters. They well, cheated. No, technically, yeah, well, listen, so technically, say, technically my ass, <laughs> they cheated. When the, when the commissioner of baseball comes out and says, stealing signs isn't illegal, like, what do you do with that? So if the commissioner of baseball comes out and says stealing signs isn't illegal, I guess it's pretty much... I agree! It's not illegal. We admit that. But the the method they use, you got the trainer involved. You got Pedroia out there singling. That's illegal. I think it is. I should have started off by saying they're lazy and stupid. Okay? I should have started off by saying that. Well, what do you want me to say? They're cheaters. No, you say what you want. You want me to say they're smart and creative? No, I think the, the fact is everybody steals signs. They're stupid if, if, if you don't try to get an edge. The fact is, I'm the with you there. That, so what is the, what is the, where are we arguing? But about? they went too far to get an edge. Right, that that they cheated and should be punished for it. Okay, so what's the punishment? Like a hundred thousand dollars? No, banished for the playoffs. Oh, shut up. <laughs> well, answer me this, though. Dombrowski sits up there. Dombrowski sits up there and minimizes the whole thing. The commissioner what minimizes. What did Rob Manfred but, what did Manfred do? Yeah, I know. And he was he was wrong. It was stupid the way he they did it. They are circling the wagons in Boston. So, I know that. So now, so now you, you, 
you New York honks down there. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, we got me honks. Oh, see. <laughs> Listen, I hate the Yankees. Christian, I hate the Yankees. No, but last thing on this, seriously. Here's what you should be doing. You should be looking at Cashman and talking about what an unbelievable dink he is. Like, what a baby. Oh, oh, they want to turn it on the Yankees, default. They told your trainer to go and report to Pedroia what the signs were is Cashman's fault for pointing it out. Is it wait? Here's here. So I work with a guy named Lou Malone. He plays plays for the Red Sox. Played in the major leagues for a while, and we're sitting there laughing about this. Of course because, you are. Because it's like okay, all all these guys do is try to steal signs. Yes. And that's why the picture. That's why the catcher keeps coming out to the mound. The fact is that the stupid part with the Red Sox, and it's been going on all year. So this, this is just one of many issues, including the manager. So it's it's like all encompassing now. It's just kind of like the cherry on top, and I'm sure it'll be something else. It, so. And then you throw in everything else that happens around Boston. You're like, oh, great, here we go again. Here goes the narrative. You know, he starts with the Patriots, and he goes and it bleeds into the to the, to the uh, Red Sox. And so the issue is that they were stupid. The fact is, like, did, did uh, John Farrell even know about it? Did John Farrell even know that <laughs> the trainer was involved? And the fact that you're involving a trainer to me is just mind-boggling to begin with. Now, maybe that's just the mentality of baseball players. I don't know, but it just seems, like, kind of odd you know, that these two guys are like, you know, trying to work a system that is flawed because if you look at if you look at the numbers, especially with runners in scoring position for the Red Sox, out of all the games that they played uh, against the Yankees, they're like, they're hitting like a 143. Like their batting average is, is terrible. So it obviously didn't work. So Yeah, well, that, that shouldn't be a part of the conversation. We're talking to Christian Fourier on Geo and Jones, CBS Sports Radio. Last thing on this, Dombrowski just totally minimized it. Not a big deal. I don't think it's wrong. Okay, I hear the method is wrong. But then the Red Sox go and accuse the Yankees of doing the same thing. I mean, that to me seems petty. If you don't think that it's a big deal at all, and what you guys did was wrong, then why point the finger at them now? I think, it's, I think they, they, they look, you know, they, they both teams, you know what they both feel like to me? A couple kids playing in the sandbox throwing sand at each other. Like, that's what it feels like to me. Y'all are you know, cheaters. Like, that's what it feels like to me. Uh, anyway, mean, let's I'm, talk about some college football. Brian, cheaters! Brian Damn it! Cheaters! I <laughs> <laughs> see. That's the Colorado way. Play in the University of Colorado. That's what they're used to. Listen, that they cheat. Listen. Okay. Well, great. So we have five towns. Tweet so that out. Five towns to win <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't that happen to? <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Hey, we were just really? having a call. And by the way, uh, America, we're, we're talking to uh, Christian Fourier. He does it all. He, he, he hosts a sports radio show up in Boston. He works at CBS Sports Network. He also works for the Patriots. Does What are you doing now that the season's here? The post-game show? Yeah, I do the pre- and post-game yeah, show. Yeah, not you, you. okay, you're doing that now. And let's talk college football. We were just having a conversation about Alabama. If Alabama were to lose to Auburn and not win their division, not play in the conference championship game, would they still get in over a one-loss Big Ten champion? Yes. Or yes. Uh, yes. You think they would? Yeah, you know, the conversation is kind of old now. We, I feel like we have this conversation every single year. It starts with, like, well, a team from the SEC, what well, two-loss SEC team get into the national championship. And like, oh, yeah, look at their schedule. Oh, they play so many good teams. And then you, the, the, the cream of the crop, the king, the king of the mountain is Alabama. So, I mean, I would say people would force a two-loss Alabama team into the mix if they could. I mean, so, I mean, to me, that discussion is just kind of old and played out because the answer is always yes. There's this natural, national perception that the SEC is just better than everybody else and, you know, it doesn't matter what you say and the Georgias and the Florida look great. Yeah, awesome, right? They get, they get beat up by – they still don't have a freaking quarterback. I, I, it's amazing 
the entire state of Florida, and they can't find a quarterback. And the one guy that they have leaves, and he ends up just blowing it up somewhere else. It's like mm-hmm. a, it's a sin. <laughs> Whatever. It's fine. Okay. Just don't, yeah, it's too early for me to get me going, Brian. Like, just get me up already. Apparently not. Yeah. Didn't you just do yoga? Isn't that supposed right. to calm you down? Oh, man. Yeah. It, it was the whole Apple Watch thing that got me going. It was like, great. <laughs> Here's the problem with the whole. Here's the problem with this. Anyone, see, I'm, I was born and raised in L.A., but I, I've lived here for the past, like, I don't know, what, like 15 years. You know, and two of my kids are born here, so I've kind of, like, you know, adapted their mentality, right? And it's like anytime something comes up, it's like you, you're, you're, you find yourself constantly defending the region, the way they do business, the sports teams. I don't even like hockey. I'm sitting here defending <laughs> the Bruins. What the hell? Yeah, I mean, sports sounds like they're very provincial, and yeah. if you're and and a lot of people don't want to be the one person who goes against the tide either. Is you know, if you said I think the Red Sox are cheating, and then your Twitter mentions are basically you know it's a disaster. So uh, it is a tough thing. I worked in Pittsburgh, and it's the exact same thing. I mean, it's so provincial, and I was defending the Penguins and the Steelers and Pitt football, and I never thought that that would happen either. Christian Fourier on Geo and Jones. Uh, the biggest takeaway for you. Uh, the real week one of college football was what? Oh, hey, hey. Uh, well, I mean, since we can't beat up on Texas anymore. <laughs> you can. I, mean, uh, <laughs> I can, right? The biggest takeaway, oh, man. You know, I think the biggest takeaway, I always find it interesting. Like, I think you can tell, like, when, when, when teams play against lower-level teams, like when a highly-ranked team plays against a low – there's a lot of teams that struggled. Like, they, they, they were – you know, they were kind of like tiptoeing through the water. They, they couldn't really get in a rhythm. And, you know, teams were, you know, staying close with them. And then they eventually, like, you know, pulled away from them. I like the teams that kind of like, you know they're good when they, like, come out and they play against a lower team that they should be, that they should dominate, and they dominate them. Like, Clemson dominated. Like, to me, that means something. Um, and, you know, the other teams that, that you know, just kind of, kind of felt like they were uh, maybe a couple weeks behind. Now, I'm sure those teams will kind of catch up because there is no preseason games that are scrimmaging against themselves. You know, uh, I think that's interesting. And, and then Michigan. Like, Michigan to me is, you know, you're looking at them with all the players that they lost and how they're going to match up. And, uh, you know, I thought they did. Uh, I still think they have quarterback issues. Um, and then the other one was just Alabama. You know, as far as, like, the low-hanging fruit, the Alabama. I, was, I don't think Jalen Hurts is a very good quarterback. Like, I just don't think he is. I mean, he's a running quarterback. I know he hit the long ball to Calvin Ridley, but I just don't think, you know, that system that Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator, is trying to implement is ever going to work for him. Like, he is going to have to, and it looks like he has, kind of, you know, change that offense to fit Jalen Hurts. And I think when he plays against a team where it's a little bit tougher, that's where you're, that's where I think you're going to see some some – some issues because he's just not an accurate, you know, short, intermediate quarterback. He's a running quarterback that has a strong arm. He can throw it deep. So if a guy's five yards ahead of another guy, he should be able to hit him. But other than that, I mean, you know, he's a product of that system, which is the Alabama machine. And you played for Brian Dayball. Uh, he was your position coach. Am I correct? No, he was uh, he was a receivers coach, but we we met with him all the time. Then he right. was a tight ends coach last year. It's the same. It's the same mentality. You know, same offense. Even when he was in Miami. Right, but shouldn't a, a coach worth his salt should adapt his philosophy to the talent he has at hand, on hand, and, and Jalen Hurts is a dual-threat quarterback, so you see Dayball adapting more so than the, the Patriots offense being implemented there at Alabama, at least not this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I see he should. I mean, 
he should be able to. But I just I, I think about you know those you know his history, and it's like man, I know that if you know if I run this and this and this situation, this is what works. I'm just curious to know like pro coaches that go to the, that go to the college ranks. Listen, they don't have as, the college teams. They don't have as much volume. They don't have, any, have as many options. The quarterback's usually reading one side of the field, or and if it's a, or one player, if it's a play action pass, and the players are just better. Like Alabama's players are ninety percent of the time going to be better than the other guys, so they should usually win. Like, and then you should, and everything should be script, scripted for success. So I don't think you get a good idea how good Jalen Hurts is going to be because you know he's in a dominant offense with a strong running game, an unbelievable defense, a great great special teams, you know, and a great coach. So how do I really know how good he is? Like, I mean, quarterbacks come through there all the time, and they're never worth anything in the pros, you know. Um, I don't know, the one dude with the, with, with that's in Cincinnati. Um, don't, uh, uh, A.J. McCarron. A.J. McCarron. He seems like he can play. He had one year when Andy Dalton got hurt that he actually showed up. He played, like, in a couple games. and was like, wow, this guy's got something. He'll probably end up going and getting paid somewhere else. But other than that, they're all stiff. Christian Fourier on Gio and Jones. We're really going to test your versatility as we now we move to the New England Patriots, open up the season tonight against the Chiefs. A huge offseason, and it doesn't always work when you're bringing in a ton of personalities uh, and you have Julian Edelman's injury that you have to throw into it. It's, it's just tough to make these prognostications about teams this early, especially with a lot of roster changes. But uh, your thoughts on this Patriots team? Is it going to be another chase at 16-0, and 0, or do you think that they're going to have some issues this year? Well, I think, essentially, I think they're a machine. I think, uh, you know, even with Julian Edelman going down, I think it's like the best collection of talent that Brady's ever had. You start with the backs and all the different backs that they have, the Burkhead, the James White, the Deion Lewis. I mean, one, one of those guys alone can, can kill you. All three of them is significant. And then you throw in a, a Gronk, a Dwayne Allen, who has a Brandy Cooks. Uh, you know, uh, and, and then you, they just trade it for Philip Dorsett. Offensively, they're not going to have any issues. Like, it, it, health will be their only issue, right? And that's with every team. Defensively, they have, their biggest liability is not the secondary, because I think they have one of the best secondaries, at least top five, is going to be like uh, that linebacker slash, uh, you know, defensive end hybrid and middle linebacker position. If I'm, if I'm any team, I'm making sure I find a way to get David Harris on the field. If David Harris is on the field, the guy that was in New York for like 10 years, now he's with the Patriots. He can't cover. He's decent at uh, stopping the run. But in today's NFL, he, can't, he has no lateral movement, you know? So, like, when they put those backs on there or, or, or an athletic tight end, you know, or a guy that can do both, like, I think he'll be exposed. So, and then, you know, you know now Shane McClellan is on IR. They already lost your ball sheer, uh, long, uh, Nikovich retired. They have this gaping hole, you know, in what I consider like one of the most important positions on that Bill Belichick and that Patricia defense, the guys that can play all over the place, you know. Um, Wasn't Coney think, Ely supposed to fill that void? Yeah, Coney Ely, I don't know. He never showed up. Mm-hmm. He had issues as soon as he got to the team, you know, even in like even, even in the spring he had issues, and then he got held out the first day of summer camp for for undisclosed issues that he wouldn't admit to and then just watching every single game brian like he just mm-hmm. he just it looked like he was like man eh, eh, if i get the tackle great if i don't no big deal you know it, it just it, there was no energy with him he got pushed around a lot even when he was away from the play um you know and they, it didn't really cost him anything i think they uh they traded for they only went back a couple spots i think it cost like 100 grand so they cut him after the third preseason game 
Now, Philip Dorsett coming over in the trade with Jacoby Brissett, does he, isn't he one in the same of a, a, a Hogan? Uh, how does he differ from uh, that position? And, and, you know, you lose Edelman. I would think Amendola is now going to be the focal point at the slot receiver. You, you got Cooks and, and, and Hogan and Dorsett. Aren't they similar players? Yeah, see, I, I thought the same thing. I thought that Amadol would take Edelman's spot, but no, it, it's, it's actually going to be Hogan who's going to okay. be playing that slot role, which is odd. But it, when you think about it, it makes sense because Brandon Cooks can be the deep threat down mm-hmm. the field guy. Amendola's kind of like more of a third-down specialist, punt returner. And I'm not sure how Philip Dorsett's going to fit in, but he fits the mold of, I don't want to say disgruntled because he wasn't, like, you know, causing a stink, but just guy that didn't fit in one system was a first-round pick. You know, and now, you know, he's in Shangri-La, man. Like, he's in, he's like, you know, everything works. Mm-hmm. And you just, yeah, I'm going to have you do a couple plays, you know, that, that'll fit your skill set. We're going to accentuate everything that you do and just get the ball and go, you know. And I think we'll see. I don't know how he's going to fit in because, or if he's even going to play because he's only been here a week. Um, but you asked me what stood out, you know, uh, with, with the, in the college football, you know, the first week. What stood out to me this last week is that, the Patriots uh, parlayed a third-round quarterback pick into a first-round pick of Philip Dorsett. That, to me, is mind-boggling. The Indianapolis Colts are so dumb and desperate that they have no clue what they're doing. <laughs> and I, if you look at that quarterback situation, they don't. Um, but the fact that they even draft, drafted Philip Dorsett is confusing in itself if you go back three years when they needed all that help on defense. But, um, yeah. But uh, and listen, I think it's going to be a trap meet. I think there's going to be nice little dancing, you know, to begin – uh, but I think the Patriots really pull away with this thing. Get back to your talking points for the Red Sox, okay? <laughs> yeah, right. Talk to you later. <laughs> See you, Christian. <laughs> See you, man. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.